You are listening to the In Context podcast. Welcome to the In Context podcast. This is part two of a three-part series of podcasts which originally came from one long, tedious podcast recorded between myself, Nathan Young and Matt Oliver. After listening to it back, I realised that it was over uh, an hour and 20 minutes long and I didn't want to put our listeners through the torture of having to go through it in one sitting. So because of our generosity and our kind thoughts, we have divided into three parts. This is part two, and we will be looking at church planting and revitalisation. And we'll look at the different needs and challenges faced through church planting and revitalisations, but also the, the different skills needed for a church planter or a church revitaliser. I hope you enjoy. A lot of people laugh when they find out that like almost 50% of our members are employed, that we've got a high number of staff. But the reason why we need so many staff is because we need to be in that community day in, day out, building relationships. So we, uh, I have the benefit that we planted a church in an area where I grew up as a child, so I already have links. But there was still 99% of the community didn't know me. So I, I still struggled as a local man trying to build relationships. Uh, Rachel, my wife, has done the same but we've been on the ground full time with a team meeting people Matt what obstacles have have you met because you haven't gone in a, a church plant or with a team and you can't spend seven days a week in the community building relationships because you've got a couple of Bible studies to do with you're preaching on a Sunday you're pastoring an existing church so how has that affected you in in reaching out to the community yeah, so I think that's 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 it is a huge challenge, isn't it? I guess we there was already an established membership there that need looking after, you know, that, and, and and as a pastor you're there to shepherd the flock, and so there's there's a lot of people to focus on, um, and then like you say with the preaching and teaching and Bible studies or whatever, that that's nearly my whole week. It's gone very quickly. Um, I think there are some really good things that the church already had, so they had established what's basically like. Um, boys Brigade and Girls Brigade type groups on a Monday and Tuesday night, and they've been going since like 1960, and 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 so they've been they've been a connection in the community that is a good one and is seen as positive by the community. So there are people now who whose uh, mams and whose nanas came to that group like decades ago. So there's there's a positive there's a positive element of that. So there there were some connections in the community. The church was known, but I think. Only in a small, in a small circle. I think the vast majority of the rest of the estate would have probably thought, "Yeah, there's a building there, but I don't really know much about what goes on." And they they might not have thought negatively of the church, but I don't think they would have thought positively either. They just had a bit of a neutral, like, "Well, does it really matter? Does it make any difference?" Um, and trying to trying to make inroads in the community is is difficult outside of those things. And even within those things, they're great for meeting those kids, but we had very little connection with the parents. Because the parents would either drop them off and go home and pick them up again, you'd get five minutes high at the door. Um, or the older groups, the senior kids, where they just walked there themselves. The parents didn't bring them, they just they just wandered from the opposite end of the estate to the church and back again. So there was no beyond seeing those kids. We we had we had a, an awards night in the middle of the year and a carol service that they were involved in, in at Christmas, and parents or grandparents and stuff would come to that, but beyond that, not a lot of not a lot of real connection into their homes. So we'd see them on our property, if that makes sense, in our building, but very little outside. 
and 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 yeah that's that's where the the hard graft has been really for, for nancy and me in lots of ways is we're the ones who are most visible day in day out and so we we can start to build those relationships but when there's only a couple of you doing that that's really hard work because even the other people who live on the estate who are from church they've got jobs and they work in other places so they're, they're not around during the day most of the time because they're in work so um that then makes it also harder to, to for them even to build connections uh, within and, and build relationships within the estate so yeah, a lot of it's about being there on the ground and, and being available on the ground at the same time. Um, and so, it's, yeah, it's a much slower process for us. It, we've tried to use the things we already had. Uh, we started a mother and toddler group. So when we arrived here, um, two of our kids were, were kind of under three. So we we started a toddler group. Um, there was a couple of other people in church who had little kids, or maybe one who had little kids. And, and we set that up for the community because there wasn't anything else nearby. The nearest sure start centre was on the neighbouring estate. And even then, the funding for that was just dwindling bit by bit. So there was less and less happening there. So we set the toddler group up and that, that enabled us to make quite a lot of mams in particular with little kids. And those relationships have been ongoing, which has been good. Um, yeah, it's just, it, but it is hard. Like you say, you've got to, you've got to be around to see people. And um, so one of the things we tried to do was, or tried to encourage people to move to the estate which was always going to be you know maybe a bit like flogging a dead horse um, but then the the other thing i tried to encourage people to do was if they were going to get their hair cut to get a haircut at the hairdressers on the estate or if they were going to get their car fixed come to the auto parts shop on the estate or to come to find ways of being on the estate to at least meet some people but even then that's a it's still a poor substitute ultimately for being there and being visible day in day out in the community um, and I think it just takes a long time to, to do that. It's in one sense, that's the major advantage of a church plant is because everybody comes in with that mentality. You're all aiming to do that from day one. If you come into a church where, and, and this is not particularly a criticism of, but I guess because they live outside of that now, outside of the community now, the, the sharp focus on, on reaching the community is maybe blunted by the fact that you're not seeing and meeting the people day by day. And so trying to change that mentality is really is really hard it's not that people don't have a love for the estate but they almost it's a difficulty of knowing how best to do that and then if you're being told it's very different to what you've been doing for the last four decades then you're suddenly thinking well hold on why is it like that and, and so it's a lot of that's a mentality change and, and we're, we're getting there slowly and I think things things we, we the church has a better a much better reputation and better kind of there's more awareness of it now than there was five years ago, which is great. God has been very gracious to us in that through a lot of different things, but it's still a long, it's still going to be a long road to, to seeing, to seeing people saved. And then particularly very long road to then seeing those people kind of involved, either employed in the church or involved in, in, in leadership of the church. You're talking decades, I think beyond that. So. And, and, and I think that's why I'm not a pastor or a, a revitalizer because I have very little patience. <laughs> like putting a china shop, uh, I lack serious amount of uh, diplomacy. Uh, whereas you, Matt, you've gone into a situation there where you've got over fifty people you need to love and shepherd uh, and encourage while still trying to reach out into that local community. And it, it's a long-term job, isn't it? It's not something that's going to be done in five, even ten years. This could be fifteen, twenty years. And uh, again, I think 
council of state ministry is just so varied. We need so many different types of people. Uh, we need the bulls in the china shop who are going to come in and 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 kick up a lot of dust and 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 make a big announcement when they arrive. But we also need people who are who are a bit different, who are like yourself, a bit more who can come in and steady the ship and and slowly turn it around. So that's again. What we want to do through Methodist Ministries is say, look, there's churches that need pastoring and revitalizing, and we need a long-term plan to, to, to change the direction of this church to reach the community. And we need some people who are a bit more impulsive who can just come in and, and uh, yeah, just be a bit more, uh, have a bit more get up and go, who, who can just try different things. Because I remember, Nathan, when you first turned up and I was like, right, I want you to get a job in a charity shop. I want you to go and have your breakfast in the flats. I want you to get your hair cut here. I want you, you were, a lot of the things I was asking you to do, I don't think at the time you thought, well, this isn't ministry. What's the point of uh, going here or, or, or doing that? Especially after three years when there was still no fruit. You know, A, uh, mm. why did you trust my methods? And B, how, how many of them did you think were a waste of time? <laughs> Uh, um, yeah i mean i think you, you'd probably think a lot of them were a waste of time as well and, <laughs> and and probably a lot of them were and that's but that's the nature of church planting isn't it it's like you, you try a lot of different things and maybe some of it doesn't doesn't amount to anything um do you know what i mean maybe you do make sure that you buy your milk from the same shop every day do you know what I mean? Something might come of it, something might not. We don't know, do we? Um, well, but... it did. I think you just go to Morrison's. I think I'll always because <laughs> just remembering there from when you, you were kind of coming from a city, riding around in a city, and you'd have bicycle clips and a helmet and, and a, no, and a no bag. bicycle clips in. Not <laughs> in false information here. <laughs> and a fluorescent jacket. <laughs> <laughs> A big, a big, a big flag off the back of your bike. <laughs> <laughs> a little bell that you'd ring. No, well, you went into Morrison's Cafe once, didn't you? And uh, you, you just thought you were anonymous at a period of time, but you're really encouraged just by that woman asking you, saying, you, "Oh, you're not on your bike today." Can you remember? Oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think there's, I think there's two things, aren't there, that are totally different from mission in a lot of churches so one is that kind of intentional living aspect of it of just just trying to be involved in in the community in any way you can you know so uh, you know make, making sure that everyone in our church goes to booze for you every day um oh, they don't do that but you know making sure that <laughs> Mr. Mr. Pastor. You know, yeah. um do you know what i mean yeah using the using the local shops and making sure that you're seen in the local community just yeah like having my breakfast in the local block of flats for years you slowly start to meet people and do you know what I mean people who live in there know other people and you start to build up those links um so I think part of it is that intentional living I think the other part of it which you touched on a little bit Matt is the community aspect of mission so I think that's that's what makes it work doesn't it is it doesn't works so much when you've only got one or two people doing it or if you do it's going to be a very very long slog at, at the best um it, it only works if you've got a number of people who are all doing it together so i think that the model that most churches have is like 
here's our church, a circle, which is our church here in the middle. We maybe got 50 people and we want each of them to reach five people that they know. So it might be their family members or people from their work. And so if you do it that way, then between those 50 people, we'll get to reach 250 people. Um, and that's kind of the model, isn't it? It's like each person has their own little mission field. We, we meet together on a Sunday and we're all kind of equipped for that, to, for, the, for the mission that we're doing in the week ahead. And then we'll go out and we'll all kind of do our, our little mission during the week. And that's the model that we have for, for mission. Whereas actually what we have in this kind of community mission is we're all involved in each other's lives and we're involved in the lives of the people that we're interacting with. So we might have a, a family that we're working with as a church that we're seeing almost every day of the week, but it's, it's in different contexts and with different people involved. So do you know what I mean? Ian and I might play football with the dad on the Monday night and then on the Tuesday, um, the the mum is bringing the kids along to the to the toddler group, and then they're meeting up with somebody on on the Thursday for a cup of coffee or whatever. And then um, I don't know, you, your mum Sue starts to decides to make some clothes or something for the baby. But do you know what I mean? So all of us in different ways start to know yeah. the same people. It's not each of us has different people that we're that we're getting to know all of us are getting to know the same people so when people then want to come along to church on to a church service on a sunday that's a that's a big intimidating thing for lots of people who've never been to a sunday service but if they know actually there's only going to be a dozen people and i already know most of them because i do you know what i mean i play football with them and um you know those people from going to the toddler group and you know so and so through this and uh, so when people then come to a Sunday service, actually it's less intimidating because they, they're already almost part of the church community. Um, even if they're not members, even if they're not believers, people still have an ownership of our church. So people who, we are people that we know who've never been to a Sunday service at New Life Church, but they'll refer to it as, as our church, <laughs> which, is, which seems crazy to me because I don't know how they have like any ownership of it, but people have that. People do have that sense of ownership. And, and that's, I think that's a, that's a big achievement in a lot of ways is when people from your community kind of see it as their church that, yeah, all right, they, they've maybe never been and they don't really intend on coming anytime soon, but they know that that church is there and they know that, you know, that the people like them, they would be welcomed um i think that's a big step and, and and again i think it works the other way around as well doesn't it where we serve the community and they feel part of us but they have a desperation to to serve us as well don't they uh they have an ownership and on account of the state of people own something they want to protect it as well and uh, you, you've seen that, haven't you? <laughs> when you passed your driving test and you needed a car and things like that. Yeah, people uh, people are willing to help you out. People will, yeah, people will do what it, yeah. People will help, yeah, do anything for you. Um, Sometimes even if you don't want it doing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I was just thinking that, yeah. I was thinking it was to be in. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's, it's awesome to, to, after five years of what seems to be uh, going nowhere fast and then 
very quickly we see uh, the fruit from things that were invested in five, ten years ago. Uh, we've got a, a Bible study in the in the women's hairdressers uh, that my wife runs that she'd been going to for seven years, I think now. And we had links with that family who owned the hairdressers from 10, 15 years ago. I used to uh, work in a school and I had involvement in the son of the woman who owns a salon. And uh, they came to church, I think. Was it the first time they should come to church? This uh, I'm not sure if she's maybe been once or twice before. Yeah, I don't know. But, but she brought a husband for the first time. But again, he knew the majority of people there just because of the activities that we do uh, outside of the church building. And again, that's been a a real positive for us. Although we've struggled not having a build in at times, uh, it's it, it, it made us think outside the box. How can we reach the community and be in the community to reach them? So again, what, what are some of the blessings that you found, Matt? You've, you've got a building. It's a wonderful resource building. Uh, we, we've seen some of the benefits of having a building in the community that the church uh, is well used by some of the community. But what's some of the negatives of having a building? Um, I think there's an element to which, and, and again, this is partly a mentality thing and maybe it's a generational thing. I think there's an expectation sometimes that, well, we'll just invite people and they'll just come in. Well, the, the reality is they're not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, they'll not do that in lots of parts of the country, but the chances of somebody just walking into our church randomly or off the back of an invite is pretty slim. Mm. So, um, we have had the odd one, don't we? I'm not saying it never happens. God is, God is sovereign and he sometimes works that way, but there are very few people who will do that and are willing to do that. It's the thing of stepping across a threshold. Lots of people have an idea in their minds of what church is like. Maybe they went as a kid or they were involved in a certain way or they've had negative experience. And therefore, just stepping across the door is like a huge barrier to them. Um, and so if you're not really seeing people outside of that, that's really difficult. So we've got, there's a lady we, we've been involved with for quite, for quite a while. She brought her grandson to the toddler group. She was then involved in a knit and craft group that met on a Friday morning, following on from that. Um, so has been into our building numerous times, um, but has confessed that a number of times she's been, she's been out and walked past the church on a Sunday morning when the service is about to start, but not been able to bring herself to walk into the building. Something in her mind there, there's a, there's, a, there's a barrier of stepping across into it for a church service. She's been in the building, she knows what it looks like. She's probably been in every room of the building. But, but to actually walk into a service is like a big, it's just a, a big mental block there for her. And I imagine she's not unique in that either. So some of, it, some of it's that, um, I guess maybe you can end up being quite building-centric and therefore there's less of a thing of, oh, we don't really need to be out doing other stuff in the community or being seen in the community. Um, it costs money to keep it. <laughs> that's another one. I mean, there's always, there's always things they fixing in it. So stuff like that. I mean, that's, a, that's an aside to mainly what we've been talking about, but I guess that's the other negative potentially of a building. Um, yeah. So I think that that's probably in terms of mission, that's the negative of a building is, is there's, there can be particularly in our communities, maybe just a bit of a, a, a a standoffishness of, of, of wanting to enter the building. Um, for, for Again, sorry, bro. I meant to mention this when you uh, were talking about struggling to get people up to the north to, to be in ministry. This is going back about half an hour now. But I, I've <laughs> just edited in, Ian. Yeah, just yeah. Sure, Ian. 
but I've, I've just been reminded that you, you've been looking for a, an assistant pastor for a while, haven't you, with no real look. Have, have you got one yet? Not got one yet. We the we we've had we've had we've had applications, but so like we put it out a year ago. I mean, this year's a weird time to advertise for an assistant pastor anyway, isn't it? You know, it's like nobody's moving anywhere or doing anything because we've all been on lockdown. But um we had we had some interest in it before, but a lot of the interest we've had just been really either random, like completely random, um, and obviously not really genuine, or just a bit just a bit tentative at best, really. We put it out in various places, but I think it's there's that there's that stigma, isn't it, of well moving into the north and uh, yeah. So we we are looking and, and we'd love to appoint one, and I think it would be it would make a big difference. Just we'd have, you know, I guess my like we'll come back to my kind of ability to be in the community more. That if we got an assistant pastor, his ability to be in the community more because we'd be you know we'd have more time both of us to do kind of that stuff would be brilliant. Um, but I think, and coming back, as we're back on that subject of people moving to the north, I wonder whether one of the challenges, and, and I know sometimes people go, well, oh, well, you just want money in the north. That's why we're making a big loud noise because you need money. There is an element of needing money in, 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 some, in some places. So there are churches in the northeast that are small and can't afford to now have a minister. Maybe their last minister was their last paid minister, and part of the reason was he was retiring, but they didn't have... Yeah. They now don't have the money to replace him, um, or the churches dwindled. And actually, the, the ministers had to move because the money was going to run out for his post. So he's now moved elsewhere. There are churches across the northeast like that, but I just that the, the awareness of them is is, is minimal. But I, I can think of a handful off the top of my head without really doing any research that if there was if there was the money available to them to appoint a pastor who probably would. Again, you're then going to find the person to move, but but there's those. It's a it's a total chicken and egg problem, isn't it? If you know there are churches there, ministers could come to, but there's no money to pay them. So you'd either have to be bivocational or somewhere somehow there's got to be some money come into it. And I guess you know I, you might have talked about this when you talked about it before with partnership with with Banstead, or maybe you, you'll talk about it later. But the way in which they've kind of helped provide mm. uh, money for workers here instead of paying for their own workers, do you know what I mean? And how that is a, that is a great way of partnering and saying, well, do we need another member of staff down here? Mm. Well, we could we could do with one and it would be helpful, but is there a bigger need somewhere else? Could we give what we would have paid as part of a salary here to fund somebody elsewhere? And I wonder whether that's what needs to be thought about if people want to, you know, kind of revitalise some of the churches in the north of England. That's, that's one of the ways that's going to have to happen is by people saying, actually, instead of paying a third, fourth, fifth, sixth member of staff in our church will employ a pastor up there for two or three years till the church gets back on its feet. Um, and, and, that, and that need is big up here because we don't have the massive population centres. So, you know, the biggest town is, what, 350,000? The city, Newcastle's probably got the biggest in the, in the northeast. Not, not counting Yorkshire at the minute because there's some bigger cities there. But in the northeast, you've got a couple of million people, but quite spread. So there's loads of little churches in little towns scattered about, but they've got no, they've got no resources to, to potentially keep going. And, and, and what you might end up with is instead of churches revitalizing in 10 years time, you'll have whole new cities and towns that need plants because there's nothing there anymore. There's not even a, a small dwindling congregation. So, And, that, and that's a, a great link for next week's podcast where we'll have Dan Green on. <laughs> and that was uh, intentional. <laughs> and hopefully I'll be interviewing him uh, tomorrow 
and he will feature on uh, the New Year's Eve podcast. Uh, yeah, I thought we'd end the new year with a really bad podcast. I know the others haven't been brilliant, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, be, we'll be discussing with Dan his love for fake wrestling, uh, the WWE. So if you're interested in fake wrestling, uh, Hulk Hogan and the likes, that's how long ago I watched it, Hulk Hogan, uh, you can uh, tune in next week.